Sons of Saturday, Virginia Tech Hoops Pod. My name is Mike McDaniel, as usual, joined by Ed Williams and a special guest from the Locks of Saturday. You know him, you love him, Robert Irby. Irby, what's going on, man? Nothing much. Excited to be here. Uh, you know, excited that we're seeing maybe a sign of life from our favorite basketball team. You know, we'll see. I'm sure we'll dive into that. But yeah, excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for jumping on, Ed. What's happening, man? We won. And it makes it made it my is. Saturday so enjoyable. It, it made my Saturday very enjoyable. It showed uh, a little bit of hope, I guess, leading into this final stretch of very winnable games for the Hokies. But uh, I guess we got to talk about the two leading up to that as well, which were less exciting than the win over Florida State was. So there's some good, there's some bad, but um, I guess at the very least, there's still a reason to keep turning this team on whenever they play. I mean, it felt like, you know, we'll talk about these games individually too, but it did feel like, you know, the, the Miami game for how the end went with the game winner, right? And and Tech loses that game. It did feel like offensively the Hokies were starting to find something though, you know? And they hadn't really for a while had that sort of output offensively where it felt like the efficiency was there. I mean, sure, they've, they've scored in the 70s and in the high 60s and – it's, it's felt like a struggle to get there at times, you know, but it really felt easier in the Miami game than I anticipated. And then obviously the Florida state game happens right after that. I'm like, all right, offensively, something seems to be clicking here over the last two games. I guess the one guy to point to is Sean Padula, right? It just feels like the offense is flowing a lot more freely when he's in the lineup. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Um, and I really think with Padula and, I think if you look at all our guards as a whole, I guess kind of the five guys that are really getting minutes, you know, between Storm and Couture and Nalene, Padula and Maddox, like they all just seem to play with way more aggression um, and to just much more willing to shoot their shot. Um, I mean, like against Florida State, those five guys combined for 25 three-point attempts, which was their most all year. Um, and against Miami, they shot 22, which is – uh, third most that that group has taken and you can kind of like look back at all of tech's games and anytime I was looking at this anytime that those five guys attempt more than 23s in a game um, the Hokies are let's see they are four and one in those games with the only loss being that loss to Miami um, so I it really seems to me like those guys are all great shooters. Like they all have high percentages, except a lean, but you know, he's kind of in a slump, but um, looking at the other guys, they all shoot the ball. Well, it's just, let's see it more. Let's see Padula take some shots. Let's see storm take a shot that isn't wide open. Cause it seems like the only threes he'll take is if there's no hand remotely close to his face. Um, and I think that like that's just going to create a matchup issue for defenses if we're actually taking and making those, you know, not wide open threes. Because um, if we if the defense has to account for that, then then they're really going to get confused, and then that's going to open up more opportunities for Luma and Mutz in the post. And you know, so I see the formula here for you know a longer run here if we can find that aggression with our shooters. But you know, we'll see. 
Yeah, I think in the recent losses, not counting North Carolina, so going back to NC State, Virginia, um, Boston College, and Miami, those were all close games, all close losses. And the the philosophy down the stretch in all of those games seemed to be um, pounded inside, very one-dimensional between uh, Aluma and Mutz on the interior and no threat uh, on the outside, especially late, all of which of those games we were leading at one point um, in the final, you know, 10 minutes, some cases, even in the final five minutes and the offense got really stagnant and one dimensional and other teams were able to go on runs in those final five minutes. And then against Florida state in what was a close game throughout um, we kind of avoided the interior almost, it almost seemed intentional. I know Kevin Aluma was in foul trouble and wasn't able to play. And, you know, maybe that would have uh, changed the offensive philosophy if he was on the floor, but uh, we played through the guards in Florida state and, it worked out in our favor. Obviously, you got historical shooting nights from Sean Padula and Hunter Couture, but uh, even still, I felt the same way about the Miami game where there was almost a shift in offensive mentality um, where, you know, we were more willing to play through our guards who I think are much more capable on the perimeter than maybe we had previously seen or previously thought. I think Hunter Couture's game is he's more than capable of beating his guy off the dribble. Um, he doesn't do it very often, and I think early in Florida State, he looked to do so and looked to get by his guy and create rotations and get to the basket. And, you know, it's really easy to play offense when you're unconscious from three, the way he was late. But I do think there was a shift in offensive philosophy and a shift in minutes distribution going back to Miami, especially where you're seeing a lot more David Gasson, you're seeing a lot more Darius Maddox, a lot more Sean Padula at times, Sean Padula with Storm Murphy on the court, which I still think is, um, I don't think you can abandon Storm entirely, but, you know, the two of them have shown the ability to play together multiple times this year. And um, I think the more multidimensional this team gets uh, in terms of style of play and in terms of rotation, the better things will be uh, as we round out this season with, I think, I don't know how many games are left, six, seven, eight, something like that. Um, plenty of games left. And, you know, it will see uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night against Georgia Tech at nine o'clock if, that was, you know, the Miami and Florida State philosophy was intentional or if it was circumstantial. And I think if it was intentional, um, if it wasn't, then it should be now because the guards are good and this team is much better offensively when everyone's involved. Yeah, yeah and Tech's, I think uh, – oh, go ahead, Mike. Oh, I was just going to say, Tech's got 10 games left. Six of them are at home. And if you look at the games that Tech does have at home, Georgia Tech, Pitt, Syracuse, UVA, North Carolina, Louisville, I mean – we saw how Virginia Tech played for most of that game against Carolina. You're telling me if they, if they play similarly offensively and, you know, with with better versatility, more willing versatility maybe even. The versatility has always been there. It's just been how are they going to run their offense, right? It's been through the bigs primarily. I'd say the last four or five minutes of games, it's been dumping into the post and then hope Aluma and Musk can make something happen, which – I mean, ISO, that's that's a form of ISO ball, man. That doesn't work in the ACC, you know? Um, that wasn't a successful formula. And, Irby, I think you brought up a good point a couple of minutes ago when talking about Storm. Like, I think Storm's been all right lately. The issue I have with Storm is very similar to, to the issue you have, Irby, where it's like he is only taking the wide-open shot and not the, not the mostly open shot, right? Now, that is an improvement from earlier in the season when – he wasn't even taking the open shot, right? He didn't take so any shots, yeah. He wasn't taking any <laughs> shots. So it's a step in the it's a step in the right direction, certainly. But 
Padula right now is playing without fear. And I think you have to, even if you don't want to take Storm completely off the floor, and I wouldn't be advocating for that. I don't think this team is deep enough to take Storm completely out of the mix. I think that would be a dumb thing to do. Um, I don't think Tech can afford to do that with his veteran leadership on the floor. But I think what you can do is you, you can find lineups where Padula and Storm are on the floor at the same time. And we've seen that. And we've seen more of that lately. Um, we started to see it kind of dating back to um, the, the NC State win, you know, and then we saw it a little bit against BC. And then we saw it a lot the last three games against Carolina, Miami, and Florida State, especially against Florida State, where, you know, Mike Young hasn't been afraid to throw Padula and Storm on the floor at the same time, um, especially if Naheem Aline's struggling, which happens more often than not this season for some reason. So um, I, I think this, this offense is finding its groove a little bit. Obviously, I'm not anticipating that Couture and Padula are going to you know, both have career days in the same game and Virginia Tech's going to be totally unconscious from deep. But I do think that there's a lot you can take away from the Florida State game that, you know, you can project moving forward where there are going to be offensive looks to go around if some of these guys continue to shoot the ball well and share the ball. And Couture opens up the part of his game where he's now not just to stand there and hit the three from the wing guy. He's also the put the ball on the deck and get to the rim guy, right? He's a little bit different mm-hmm. in that regard too. And that opens up the entire offense. When the Himalayan is not at the end of the shot clock, taking contested mid-range jumpers, when he's taking open looks, he's making the open ones, right? Like he's making a lot of the open ones. So let's get him more of those shots. And I think Couture opening that extra element to his game, Pedula opening up the floor by playing more minutes because you know, Storm can only produce, I think, so much given his size in the ACC. He can only produce, I think, so much offensively for his teammates and the guys around him. Um, but but I do think Padula opens that that part of the game up for the Tech offense as well. So I think that the more minutes you can get, and we haven't even talked about Maddox much yet, but man, Maddox is playing some good ball right now. I think you got to continue to get him some some additional minutes, which is what we've been advocating advocating for all year on this podcast. Yeah, and I think if you look at if you actually look at Padula and Maddox against Florida State, they both played more minutes than Storm and Aline did, um, because Mike was going with the hot hands. You know, that's kind of something we've been wanting him to do all year, where he just hasn't been able to put that trust in the freshman and the sophomore. Um, but he finally did it, and it worked out. Um, but I think if you look at what Coach Young tries to do with offense, and this is even going back to Wofford, like. He wants balance. You talked about versatility. Like he wants, he wants the defense to not really know uh, where to go, like to kind of have to pick their poison almost um, because he wants a versatile offense that can kill you in so many different ways. So it's like, okay, maybe, maybe this night Maddox isn't having his best night. Okay. But Naheem Aline's going off, like feed the hot hands and then have those post options. Cause even if you look at that last Wofford team, he had that won like 30 games, a lot of people talk about like Fletcher McGee and Storm and all the other shooters, but they had some good post players too. There was a guy, I think his name was like Cameron Jackson, and he kind of reminded me of like Bonzi Colson that used to play at Notre Dame where he was just this uh, post player that had great, great moves and good ball skills, but he just didn't have like a elite body. Like he was kind of six, he was six, eight, and like a little overweight, but he was a good college player and he could kill you in the post. So they had those two options and looking now like yeah I just think that we need to find that balance like there's a few plays there was one against Florida State that really stood out to me of when 
you can create that confusion for defense as it was late in the game. So Couture's already had a lot of shots. Gasson gets the ball um, at the, at the wing and he starts driving to the right and you see the help defender come up into the paint. He sees that it's Gasson driving, realizes that there's someone open the corner, completely leaves the paint and Gasson beats the guy one-on-one and drives it to the rim. Um, and then there's another play. I think it was a Notre Dame game where Mutz and Aline, they combined for like 50 that night where Mutz gets the ball in the post, Aline curls around and Aline's man kind of freezes for a second because he's like do I help with the guy that's killing us in the post or do I leave my man wide open um and I think he ended up I think he ended up doubling and then Aline hit a three or something like that but all that's to say like you just want to create that kind of confusion where you know you have options and the defense knows that every player on the floor could kill them in some way um and I I just really hope that we can get back to that as Mike feels a little more comfortable like I said, playing that hot hand. Yeah, I think he's been allowed to play those guys more because they've improved so much defensively. Um, there's still times when they're both caught out of position, but Sean Padula has shown the ability to take charges and steal possessions in that way. And uh, Darius Maddox had a few steals in the Miami game and looked better against Florida State. But um, I, I think their growth defensively has allowed Mike Young to feel more comfortable leaving them on the floor for longer stretches of time. Uh, so that's obviously a huge sign um, of good things to come this year, but also in the future, you know, that he's willing to play those guys 20 minutes a night. Um, even right now, as they continue to grow on the, on the defensive side of the floor, because the offensive game for both guys has never really been in question. Um, there's been times when Sean Padula does get a little sped up. Um, and, you know, this past game, you know, Florida state was a perfect example of the, maybe mentality switch Mike Young and the staff have had where I think there was about seven minutes to go. Um, Sean Padula got a little sped up, turned the ball over. Um, Mike Young took him out. And in my head, I was like, I really hope that's not the last we see of him tonight, but um, talked to him, gave him a breath, breath, two drinks of water back in the game at the five minute mark. And I I was like, okay, that's a really good sign um, for where this staff feels like they are with their freshman point guard that they can put him back in this game. Um, at the time it was still a close game. It ended up, you know, Virginia Tech pulled away and won handedly, but, um, that was a really good sign of things to come. Cause you know, previously, uh, Padula gets sped up like that and turns it over and he's not coming back in the game, but the staff feels comfortable with where they're at, uh, in his development that they felt like they could put him back in and help close us, close that game out. And that was a huge win. I don't think we had won in Florida state in like 30 years or something like that. So, um, that it, it all worked out. Uh, I really hope it's a sign of things to come in terms of an offensive mentality switch. And I think it will be, and I think Georgia tech and then two games are in a row against Pitt should be, uh, should be really fun to watch as long as, you know, we keep playing this deeper rotation that we just have not seen uh, really in the Mike young era. Um, all of Mike young's teams have been pretty, you know, eight guys maybe playing in these games. And the other night, I think we were closer to nine, maybe even 10 guys who got on the floor uh, in Florida state and, you kind of need that in this league, especially when you're a team of guys who are not, you know, five-star recruits who are going to consistently give you 10 points, 12 points a night. You need to be able to play enough guys to get back to what Irby was saying, where you're playing a lot of guys, so you figure out who's hot that night, and then you roll with them from there. So uh, I'm, I personally have taken a lot of positive things away from Miami and Florida State. Um, I tweeted out after the Miami game, you know, it was really unfortunate because you know, the fans are going to be screaming on social media that we lost that game. And 
no one was going to really take a look at what actually took place in that game because there was a ton to like. I mean, a lot of Darius Maddox, a lot of Padula, uh, unfortunately ended on a half-court buzzer beater. I mean, what are you going to do? But um, there was a lot to like from that game, and it, it translated well into Florida State. Um, looking forward to Georgia Tech and two games against Pitt, my main concern with this team now is what do you do with Kevin Aluma? Because he's an all-ACC level player. He's been putting up really good numbers all year, but um, people like myself will argue he hasn't really been playing that well all year. Offensively, his game is as polished as any big man in the country, but um, there's a lot to be desired on the glass, and especially on the defensive end. And you saw it against Florida State, a very big team. Uh, they absolutely manhandled him. He was basically a non-factor in the game. Um, was in foul trouble all night, just getting bullied whenever he was in the game. Um, so I'm really curious to see how they continue to keep him engaged and involved because he's an important piece of the team, but he can't be the only piece of the team. And I think that's where we've seen the the late losses especially come is when we get too Kevin Aluma-centric. So I'm really interested to see how that plays out as these guards continue to develop and get more involved in the offense. That's that's right on the money. Um, you know, the last four or five minutes of these games at Virginia Tech, uh, you know, Virginia Tech's lost a bunch of games down the stretch this year, right? Like close losses that, you know, I think we all argue Virginia Tech should have won, right? NC State, UVA, BC. Um, this Miami game is kind of a one-off because a half-court buzzer beater, but Tech didn't play particularly well in the last four minutes of that game either um, for as well as they played for, for most of the game leading up to that. Uh, but it was mostly a Keve Aluma offense, right? Dumped into the post, uh, dumped into Mutz maybe, right? And and that's how Virginia Tech was running their, you know, their, their offense in the last four minutes because, you know, this is a team, and we've talked about this all year on this podcast, this is a team that lacks that one guy who can go get a bucket when they need it, right? Aluma is probably the closest guy to it in terms of, like offensive production, like, you know, that, you know, if you dump it into a Luma in the post with his skill and his ability, you know, you know, he's going to be able to potentially get you a bucket. The problem is it's harder for big men because down the stretch in games, these guys are doubling the post because they're not afraid of storm Murphy shooting. They're not, they're certainly not afraid of Nehemaline shooting because he hasn't made anything. Right. Um, so that that's really played Virginia tech, but I do think offensively, it's going to be interesting moving forward to see what happens with the rotation um, because there were stretches in that Florida State game, especially in the second half, where Kevin Aluma just wasn't on the floor, right? And that's when Virginia Tech was playing some of their best offensive basketball. Now, I think to a degree, it's a little bit of a one-off because you're not always going to get that sort of production out of Couture and Padula. That was a one-off, I think, um, to some extent. But I, I do also think that there is a lot to be desired, right? in terms of his ability to rebound on the defensive end, Ed, like you just mentioned, leaves a lot to be desired there. Um, on the offensive glass, not always as tough underneath as he could be. Defensively, not always as tough underneath as he could be. Um, Mutz is the one guy in the post who provides you with that, with that constant defensive presence, right? And, and that toughness that, you know, I think this team does lack at times. Now, I thought it was interesting. I did see a, a tweet circulating on social media. I think it was Padula's high school coach or somebody who was close to him from Oklahoma mentioned that, you know, he was really happy to see Padula play well and continue to play well because he's been saying all the right things, you know, when, when people have asked him, okay, why aren't you playing more, you know, friends, family from home, what have you? He said, you know, I'm just trying to earn trust. I'm just trying to earn trust. And I think he's starting to earn that trust of Mike Young where, 
and you brought up the point where he came out, you know, had the turnover, came out of the game. It was, all right, you get a breath for a minute, you're back in. And I'm not sure that would have happened at the beginning of the year, right? So there's certainly trust that, that's being gained not only by Padula, but I think also from Gabe and Gasson the last few games, and then, of course, from Darius Max as well. And, and I think that Mike Young, if he takes a step back and kind of – and I'm sure he will after the season, he'll take a step back, see, you know, where he can improve as a coach. I think what he'll look back on um, going into next year is, okay, well – I probably should have given a little bit of a longer leash to some of these freshmen, right. And some of these younger guys, and I, he's not going to have a choice next year because Virginia tech is going to be so young. Um, and, and I think that's something he's going to take out of the season and be like, you know what, that's going to make me a better coach moving forward. We know Mike Young can coach. You know, we, we know he can coach. That's, that's not, there's no question about that, but there's, there are places where he can improve. And I think probably giving a little bit of a longer leash to the younger guys is, is a good place to start. And again, looking looking ahead before I toss this back over to Irby, like these are three very winnable games against Georgia Tech and the two games against Pittsburgh. Going on the road to Pitt is not going to be an easy game, though. I, I know where Pitt stands, right? I know what Pitt is as a program. That's a tough place to go win a basketball game. It's just like a very a very quiet, like eerie, like weird place to go play. Similar to like going to BC. It's just a very weird place to go play a basketball game. I worry about that game um, on Saturday a little bit. Um, but having three out of the next four, I'm sorry, five out of the next six at home is huge after the stretch of Virginia Tech just had where four out of five were on the road. So you're, you are getting to an easier part of the schedule. But, you know, I, I think offensively, it's going to have to be a lot more like what we've seen the last two games um, if Virginia Tech wants to be successful in this upcoming stretch, because for as many games that are winnable, there are plenty here in the stretch that are losable as well, given how Virginia Tech's played offensive basketball at times this year. Yeah, no, I, you bring up some great points, um, with the whole pit at pit game. I just really hope that that game's not like a nooner, <laughs> a noon sleepy game at pit. Seven, just be... 7 PM Irby. So you get, a oh, night game. oh, it's been announced. Okay. You get a 7 All right. PM. All right. I can live with that. I can live with that. Cause we usually get up for that kind of game, but as a whole, we haven't been great on the road. However, um, but yeah, you you hit on some great points, especially just about playing those young guys. Because at this point, I mean, at this point, we're going to need a pretty significant rally just to make the NCAA tournament, right? And at this point, you know, your present is kind of hanging in the balance and you've got to start thinking about the future and to try to kind of shape your present through building for your future. And Padula and Maddox are that future, um, especially Padula, because I mean... Right now, looking at next year, unless there's a portal guy that comes in, he would be the only point guard on the roster. So, um, yeah, but I think with those guys, I, I especially love the tempo that they play with. You, know, you guys mentioned Padula just kind of – he picks up the pace a lot compared to what Storm does. And, you know, it's, it's kind of concerning to me that um, Virginia Tech is first in the ACC in three-point percentage right now, but we're only sixth in attempts. Um, you know, and with that top three point percentage, the Hokies are also 10th in points per game, like clearly take more threes. Cause we will make them, you know, as long as the, you know, as long as it's not like Justin Mutz going out there and shooting eight threes, but you know, no disrespect, but I don't think that's what we want. Um, and Ed, we were talking about this in a group chat the other day, but the Hokies are 24th in the country in offensive efficiency, but they are 344th in adjusted tempo. 
So they play good offense. Like right now, the offense is getting better. They just, it's so slow. And sometimes you just dump the ball to Aluma in the post or, or Mutz in the post, and they just spend 10 seconds dribbling the ball. It's like that is valuable time that you could spend spreading the ball around and, you know, getting some good looks. Um, yeah, I think this is a pretty pivotal stretch for Tech. We're looking at, you know, with Georgia Tech and these two pick games, all three of those games should absolutely be wins. And in the past, you know, those were the kind of games where you would feel pretty confident about it. But now at this point, like they're must wins because any one of those losses with where those two teams are in the net rankings could really just be the, you know, the needle that pops the balloon that is Virginia Tech's tournament resume. So it's now or never. Yeah, I mean, they're all three very winnable games. And, you know, you, you go 3-0 and in this stretch and you all of a sudden look up and you feel a lot better about yourself um, heading into a slightly more difficult stretch in Syracuse, Virginia, and North Carolina. Um, but this team all year has shown the ability to play with anybody. I mean, the first half in Durham against Duke, uh, right there with those guys. Um, Miami, you lose by three. Carolina was... Um, a decent game for a while, despite Armando Baycott just doing whatever he absolutely wanted with 14 and 19 uh, mm-hmm. on the inside. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the physicality and toughness issue on the inside that this team does have. But um, I would love to see more of playing through Hunter Couture. Um, I think he's a better decision maker with the ball than people perceive. And I completely agree with your point about shooting more. Um, he, <laughs> Dribbling the air out of the ball in the paint for 10 seconds and then putting up a hook shot is not a sustainable way to win these games. Um, playing through Hunter Couture or playing through Sean Padula um, has shown a lot of success. And, you know, I think there's even room to grow for Darius Maddox to have the ball in his hand a little bit more um, and make some decisions. We haven't seen a lot of that. So um, that'll be interesting moving forward as well. But I, you have to feel pretty good about where this team is at right now and also for the future. Um, Cause you know, you lose Kevin Aluma next year, but you just beat Florida state on the road without Kevin Aluma, basically. Um, you know, the threat of him was on the floor, but he didn't do anything in that game. Uh, he fell trouble, you know, whatever the issues may have been, he was not really involved and you still were able to get a win that this program has not been able to get for a very, very long time. So um, I would love to see more of Hunter Couture, more of Sean Padula, a more balanced offensive approach. And I think it'll lead to wins in a hurry here with, you know, the way the schedule lays out. I think there's, there's a very clear path, um, but it is also a very narrow path that you can't really afford to, you know, can't really afford any more slip ups from here on out. There's some games in here that'll be toss ups and, you know, you got to win your hand full of those, um, which this team so far this year just hasn't been able to do. And, you know, I think if they're able to win, some of those closer games down the stretch while also taking care of business when you're supposed to. Um, you, believe it or not, you might look up and find yourself where you wanted to be all along. I mean, the margin for error, as we've talked about with this team, just in terms of their play is very thin, but now the margin for error from a wins loss standpoint, from a scheduling standpoint, given what's in front of them, that's pretty thin as well. I, I do wonder, I mean, you know, Folks have said, all right, we got to forget about the tournament. But I think, you know, realistically, when looking at the stretch ahead, you know, these a lot of these games are winnable for Virginia Tech. And the ACC is down, certainly, but it's not down so bad that 
some of these games that you should win are not going to help your resume at all. I mean, there's a fair share of quadrant two games remaining on the schedule that I think would really help Virginia Tech. Uh, this is a schedule where, you know, I, I think I, I want to caution folks because I think what we saw on Saturday was a little bit of an aberration in terms of like historic shooting for sure. But with that being said, there is a lot to take out of the Florida State and Miami game from an offensive schematic standpoint, from a minutes distribution standpoint, that I think could be really helpful to Virginia Tech moving forward. And I want, I want to emphasize that because I think that's what all three of us have been getting at on this podcast so far. I guess, what what are your concerns? I mean, Irby, we'll start with you. Like, what are your concerns with this team? Like, I guess with this, this is kind of new data, right? From, from a minutes distribution standpoint. I mean, we are seeing more of Padula and Maddox now and, and David and Gassan, especially last two games, than we have pretty much all year. I mean, with this new look lineup, and there's no reason to, to think that you know, Mike Young is going to change much from a minutes standpoint um, because he's now done it for a few a few games in a row here. What are the concerns with with a lineup that features more Padula, more Max? Is it simply like, okay, defense is the issue? Um, is it okay, like Aluma defensively? Like if you're putting Maddox in, and this is why I've talked about with Ed before, if you're putting Max and Padula on the floor at the same time with Aluma and Aluma becomes soft defensively, like now you have three guys who you're concerned about from a guarding standpoint, right? So is that the biggest concern? I think that might be the biggest concern for me. Yeah, I think defense is uh, definitely definitely a major concern. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to Aluma and, like you said, the defensive intensity that he can sometimes have. And I don't know. It's just sometimes he, like, he bites on every pump fake. You know what I mean? Like, like, dude, just that seven footer's not shooting the three from the corner. And yeah, if he is, let him. Yeah. If if he's shooting that, let him. Right. Um, and occasionally he'll miss on rotations and that sort of thing. And I think that's more of when Keve's not locked in, um, he can kind of just, he doesn't take that extra moment to really kind of focus on, <clears throat> okay, what's the play here? What do I need to do here? It's kind of just, I'm just going to go through the motions. Um, so, you know, my hope would be with a Padula Maddox or just an improved offensive lineup where Aluma now has a little more space because of how good the shooters are that, that would help that intensity out. But as far as other concerns, yeah, I think, I don't know what Maddox, I don't know how I feel about Maddox as a defender. I think he's got really good length and he's, he's pretty quick. Um, he's obviously not a very big body, but I think as far as staying in front of guys on the perimeter, I don't have many concerns about that. I would say I would have that about Padula, especially when you mentioned that Padula Murphy on the floor together kind of lineup, like, that's those are two defensive liabilities but to really answer your question sorry i'm going all over without giving you a real answer oh no it's um, fine we do that a lot here so no problem. <laughs> uh the real answer to me would be can what happened on saturday be replicated in any way and now obviously hunter couture is not going to make nine threes every game but what i mean is you know can we collectively make a high percentage of threes, even if it's not all through Couture and Padula. And can we have, you know, can we just play with some flow? Um, because it's really only happened, I would say two times, because I feel like there weren't really any issues offensively against Miami. So sure, like you said, it's new data and the last two instances have been pretty good. But there's also a lot 
you know, there's 19 or yeah, there's 19 other games that would say otherwise. So can they keep this going? Because there's always that chance of kind of regressing to the mean, if you will. My biggest concern has been and will continue to be uh, interior defense and physicality. Um, and I know that's, you know, indirectly, directly calling out Keve Aluma, but that's my biggest concern. Um, he has a really hard time against physical bigs and um, our interior defense is lackluster at best. Um, and that causes, like, especially can cause problems when you're playing that Padula and Murphy lineup where those guys are going to get beat off the bounce sometimes and you got to be able to rotate and play good defense on the inside. And um, we haven't done that. Uh, I think if that can get better, that that's huge, but that's by far my biggest concern moving forward is the physicality and defense on the interior. Um, to your point about, you know, being in flow offensively and the new data and, you know, how we've looked really good against Miami and Florida state. Um, we've looked good in almost every game all year, except Dayton for 35 minutes. Um, you know, it's the last five minutes of six games that are really the difference between being 11 and 10 and being, you know, maybe a top 25 team. Um, we were 0 and 6 in those close games before Florida state that I can think of off the top of my head. And, you know, that's largely due to bad play in the last five minutes of games. I mean, we all knew it was coming every game and, you know, I thought it was going to happen against Florida state and, you know, it didn't. And, you know, thank goodness it didn't because it was really fun to watch, but um, this team has been pretty good for the majority of play all year long. And they have these lapses that cost them games that they should win. And, you know, if you can find a way to be more multidimensional offensively, um, it'll help in terms of negating those stretch runs that this team gives up uh, late in games that's cost them before. So if they can continue to play through the guards um, with a much higher degree of success than you've seen for the majority of the year, I think that will lead to a more uh, sustainable offensive approach that won't succumb to really bad stretches of play that'll cost you games the way it's been so far this year. So we've seen them put it together all at once, you know, St. Bonaventure, Miami, Florida State, first half of Duke, all really good games. Um, but if they can be more multidimensional and play more guys with a higher rate of success, I think you'll be able to close out games that you should have won in the past. And, you know, hopefully we'll close out games moving forward that we could and should win. And I think if you do that, um, your, your rate of success will be much higher. You guys have any concerns about Mike Young uh, getting on the ACC media Call, I believe it was yesterday, saying that he's got no intentions to change the starting five. I mean, I saw some people reacting that I don't really care about that at all. Like, it really, what has mattered more to me all along is the mass distribution. The starting five, I, I don't, Virginia Tech hasn't gotten off to bad starts in all these games, right? It's been, it's been the closing stretches that, that have killed them, especially in conference play. So I don't really care about the starting five personally. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, even just because a guy starts over another guy doesn't mean that he's automatically going to play more than him. Like right. we saw that on Saturday, Storm and Aline started over Padula and Maddox, but Padula and Maddox played more minutes overall. Right. And I think at, at this point, Mike, a big thing about him is he's loyal to you know his guys, especially the ones that have been in the program for years and years. And um, I think I think he's probably worried about maybe the mental impact that it would have of, 
you know, swapping out an Aline for a Maddox, like, you know, maybe if it makes more sense on paper in theory, like that's, that's going to really, really knock Aline down, you know, cause he's, he feels like he's earned that role as a starter and to then lose that would, would be a hard, you know, that's just kind of an emotional uh, thing that you probably wouldn't want to have to work through if you were a head coach. Right. And so I think if you just, it's fine if the lineup stays the same, just, you know, maybe the minutes distribution as a whole, uh, you know, varies. Yeah. And you also don't really, you also don't really know like how Aline's going to react right to that. Right. From a, from a playing standpoint, not even an emotional standpoint, but like some guys just play better in the starting lineup than they do coming off the bench. Now I know a lot of people are going to laugh at that and say, well, there are times this year where I didn't think Aline could be any worse. Right. So what's the harm in coming off the bench versus being a starter, but yeah, that does, that does affect guys. Like we we've seen that it's a mentality that you have when you're a starter versus um, you know, coming off the bench that I think affects some, some guys more than others. Well, and it, it doesn't accomplish anything. It accomplishes absolutely nothing except right. makes fans feel like, Oh, I was right about that. Like it doesn't really do anything. It's like, Oh, Maddox is starting now. Good. I, I was right. I knew more than coach young. Like it does nothing at all. It's such a short-sighted <laughs> approach. Like and Mike Young said as much in his answer, he said, it doesn't really matter who starts. It matters more who finishes the game. That's the correct and only way to operate. I mean, what does it matter if Darius Maddox starts versus Naheem Alina? If, if the one guy plays more minutes, it does not matter at all. It's such right. a short-sighted fan speak approach and good on Mike Young for not budging off of what is the correct stance. By the way, if you, think that you know more than Mike Young about Virginia Tech basketball. You don't. You don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you don't. I mean, he's also got the, I mean, he's got the benefit, which people forget. Like, he's got the benefit of seeing these guys in practice every single day, right? Like, it, the, folks will be mad about, oh, Benchaline starts, you know, start Padula, you know, bench storm, you know, bench, bring Couture off the bench, you know, to give the, the bench a shot in the arm. Look, there's a reason why the lineup is what it is. There's a reason why Sean Padula and Darius Maggs were not getting as many minutes as a lot of people would have liked, right? Um, you know, you can disagree, right? You can disagree with Mike Young's assessment of that, but nobody knows his roster better than Mike Young, right? We don't know the roster as well as he does. We can pretend that we do. We can, and to Ed's point, you can shake up the starting lineup and appease the fans, you know? You can... And in a lot of cases, you know, people's opinions on it. We're sitting here talking about this basketball team for an hour on this podcast, giving our opinions about what we think should happen, what will happen, you know, what what the concerns are. We're giving our opinions too, right? Like this isn't this isn't something we're we're shying away from here. But at the same time, like nobody knows this team as well as Mike Young does, right? And at the end of the day, if you know Storm continues to start over Padula, you know, Young's got a reason for doing that, right? Like he's got a reason for doing that. Whether you agree with it or not is another thing, but he's got a reason for making this, the decisions that he does as the head coach of his basketball team. Well, take that one step further. It's pretty clear that Sean Padula and Storm Murphy have a very good relationship on and off the court. And I, I personally attribute a lot of Padula's early success in his freshman year to the veteran point guard presence that is Storm Murphy. You flip them and you all of a sudden start the freshman and you bench the fifth year senior. How does that look to the locker room? How does that look to Sean Padula? Is he like, right. oh, that's, you know, is that going to happen to me in three years? I mean, it, it doesn't accomplish anything. There's no need Great to change point. it. Just <laughs> calmly change the minutes distribution, 
like he has done in the last two games, and nobody will bat an eye except yeah. angry fans on Twitter who really want to see Darius Maddox come out of the tunnel. Like, it's so silly. It's so silly. And get everybody, just get everybody their minutes. Look, if everybody's playing well and everybody's getting minutes and playing well, team's winning, I'll tell you what, man, the locker room is not going to care, right? Like, these guys who are coming off the bench playing, like, 10, 15 minutes a game, like, if they're getting theirs and the team's winning, like, they don't care. Like, they're, they're not going to care. They're going to say, you know what, my role might be bigger in the future. You know, you look at Padula and Max in particular, like, their roles will be a lot bigger next year because they're going to have to be, right? And that's before you even factor in, you know, if there are transfer, you know, who knows with the transfer portal, you know, some of these guys could leave. I don't know. But um, this is a situation where, you know, these guys are starting to contribute more now. And David and Gasson starting to contribute more now. And these guys are seeing their roles grow as, you know, Mutz and Storm and Aluma prepare to leave the program, right? And that's what you need. You need the young guys to play. Um, and if you're concerned about playing them a bunch, I get it, right? But it's hard not to play them now because they're starting to earn Mike Young's trust in game. It's one thing to earn it in practice with what you do, you know, from a, from a day-to-day standpoint in practice and the work you put in. But with their play in games now against big-time opponents in the ACC, like Carolina, Miami, Florida State, they all recruit dudes, right? They recruit guys who can really play basketball. Right. Larry is a good coach. Like Leonard Hamilton, we know what kind of coach he is and the guys that he recruits. Um, we, we know what Carolina, you know, Hubert Davis is in year one, but we know the athletes they have. Virginia Tech was right in that game most of the way. So a lot of the young guys are contributing against really quality ACC opponents. And I think you got to continue to, to roll that forward here as we get into a part of the schedule where there are winnable games for Tech. There are winnable games. Georgia Tech twice against Pittsburgh. Syracuse has been much worse than I expected this year. It's like a total, total roller coaster. Um, UVA, Tech should have beaten them the first time. Now you get one at home here uh, in two weeks. So the, the next five games in particular, Georgia Tech pit twice Syracuse and UVA with four out of those five at home, and one of them on the road being a repeat opponent. You got to feel pretty good about this stretch if you're Virginia Tech and, and what you have what you have in front of you. Uh, but a lot of that's going to depend on how this offense continues to gel with these younger guys getting more minutes. And Virginia Tech's best offense this year has now been coming with these young guys on the floor. So Mike Young needs to continue to do that moving forward. And, you know, Tech's defense will be a concern, but it'll be interesting to, to see how this team performs here over the next five games. And if you can keep building momentum, you know, who knows? Who knows after that? But you guys got anything else before we before we wrap up? Anything I've missed? Um, I was just going to ask what y'all are thinking about the Georgia Tech matchup um, on Wednesday night. How are y'all feeling about you know how we match up against a team that has also been pretty inconsistent this year? Yeah, I mean they're they're solid team. I mean they beat Florida State. Um, I believe it was last week as well. Um, but they're they're not you know they're nothing special but they're veteran laden they're a good team they've had some some success last year I know they lost a lot of those guys but um, they're decently well coached I hate nine o'clock tips in the middle of the week um, but it's a game Virginia Tech needs to and should win um, if they have any aspirations of continuing off the success at Florida State um, I mean in reality all three of these next games are in that same conversation of should and could wins so. Um, I'm going to be paying close attention to the continued minutes distribution 
um, when those minutes are coming, that's most important. And um, interior defense, as always, has been a problem. And it's a problem that other teams will continue to try to exploit all year long because, you know, the perimeter defense isn't terrible. The Himalayan and Hunter Couture are both plus defenders. Um, but the interior stuff and the rotations have been problematic. Um, I'm going to be paying close attention to that. And, you know, if there's any change in philosophy, if there's more David Gasson in there with his length to try to disrupt things on the interior. Um, but yeah, definitely minutes distribution for the guards and uh, interior defense for the bigs and, you know, games that this team can and needs to win moving forward. So looking forward to it. Wish it wasn't a nine o'clock tip on a Wednesday night, but it is what it is. A little bit concerned about, I mean, they, they got veteran guard play. So anytime you're dealing with veteran guards in the ACC, that's not going to be a cakewalk, right? Um, and, and Georgia Tech, you know, that they're 9 and 11, right? From a, from a record standpoint, they're not where they want to be. But at the same time, there's plenty of talent. Like, this isn't going to be a, a cakewalk type game. It's winnable. It's winnable. Uh, Virginia Tech, I believe, is favored and should be favored in this basketball game. Uh, but will not be a cakewalk, you know, even, even at home. Um, there, I mean, there just simply are not many cakewalks in the ACC in general, even in a down year, because it feels like with even some of these these teams, um, I don't want to put NC State, because NC State's got two young guards that are very good. But, you know, th there are teams with veteran guard play towards the bottom of the conference that are a pain to play. And Georgia Tech with, with DeVoe and Usher, I mean, that, and Sturdivant too, I mean, that – that is your your nucleus of your Georgia Tech, and that's going to be a, a tough team to play. But I think Virginia Tech, I, I think they're in, in, in a great spot here to to win this game at home and get some momentum going from a wins losses standpoint. It's nice to talk about how the offense has been performing against Carolina or Miami in losses, but it's a lot more fun to talk about how they're performing in wins, right? And we know the Florida State game was a one-off in terms of shooting percentages, right? So let's keep the good offenses offense going and let's have that turn into into wins when you're not shooting like 70 percent from three yeah i mean looking at georgia tech you talked about those veteran guards and it's it's really devoe and and jordan usher like they average almost half of georgia tech's points <laughs> just those yeah. two guys um and 12 rebounds between the two of them despite them being guards so you know they're good scores and they rebound the ball well um, I think it's going to really come down to with DeVoe, it's the perimeter defense because he's, you know, more of a traditional guard. And with Usher, he's a little bit bigger, you know, kind of more of a small forward type. So I like, a, you know, maybe a Justin Mutz and David Gasson to kind of match up with him since they're a little bigger themselves and are athletic enough to stay out there. And, you know, if we can kind of limit their potential, um, you know, the sky's kind of the limit for the Hokies in this game. I mean, you know, just because I say this, this is probably – the type of game where some random guy will go off for like 25 that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> that has like never I, happened before. If I like, if I had to guess the number of guys who have had their career high in a game against Virginia tech in the last like five years, it's gotta be like 15. It's just crazy how that always happens. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, guys, we'll talk next week. Irby, thanks for coming on, man. This has been this has been fun. It's been solid to add a third voice because usually Ed and I just agree with each other for 40 minutes. Not that you weren't agreeing with us on this podcast, but it's nice to have a third voice here. Yeah, maybe next time if you guys want some disagreement, me and Ed can talk about Leonard Hamilton. Perfect. Yeah, we'll we'll bring Over that up. Wildly overrated. Eh. Save that for the next pod. We'll save it for the next pod. <laughs> we'll talk next week. 
Thank you.